0: The readings are taken from the Gospel of Mark. First reading, from chapter eight. let's get this right. Uh, the first is thirty-four to thirty-eight. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, "Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves." and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for you to gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul? Or what can you give in exchange for your soul? If any of you are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... The Son of Man will be ashamed of you when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. The second reading is from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 30. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother, Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With human beings this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. This is the word of the God. The Lord.
1: shall we just pray father god we ask you to reveal your word to us this morning so that we may not only hear it but it, that it may shape and influence our lives so we ask that you give us recipient receptive hearts and minds this morning in jesus name amen we love stories don't we Um, one of my joys at the moment is that, you know, I've become accustomed to spot the dog again in a big, massive way. Um, I can tell you how Spot likes to play, where the things that are hidden that Spot wants to find are, and Sarah and I have developed this ability to recite entire books because of the skill of repetition. Um, but we love stories, and, um, last week, um, Chris Stuffett was telling us the story of the guy at the funeral who didn't have a Bible and Chris was able to give him his Bible and it got me thinking about what comes next in that story uh, for that guy. And um, I heard from Vicky Bell a few weeks ago and Vicki's known to many of us here um, in this this service. Um, Somebody got married last year to Trevor, she's in our prayer diary for this week and, um, and she's moved to Essex um, and we miss Vicky terribly because she was just a, a sort of buoyant, bubbly person who used to leave little gifts around for people. That was one of the things that, that she did. Well, she happened to come on the Sunday where we launched the Mark's Gospel Challenge, and we gave out free copies of Mark's Gospel, and we said, take these and give them away to someone. Well, Vicky did that, and she sent back um, her feedback, and so this is what Vicky sent back. Um... Took my Mark books to Brentwood. I passed a beggar, so got biscuits and went back and prayed for him and gave him biscuits and a copy of Mark's gospel. Went to a shoe repairer's and said my challenge to give away copies of Mark's gospel. So gave them a copy of Mark's gospel and a packet of biscuits. Went to my bank and after the transaction asked a teller to put a copy of Mark's gospel in the staff room. I think at this point, Vicky runs out of biscuits. (laughs) If you know Vicky, the biscuits are significant. Met a local evangelist church worker and took his good newspaper in exchange for my copy of Mark's gospel. So if Vicky's listening, thank you for giving away the copies of the gospel that that we gave out. And to all of you, be encouraged, you know, to try, have a go, um, because people will receive them well, so don't be be afraid to give them away. And in this giving away, we discover that God gave Jesus for us. A father gave his son so that we might discover a new way of living, free from all the bad stuff which the Bible calls sin and in the strength of God's Spirit, leading us into fullness of life. So there's purpose in the challenge to give away copies of Mark's gospel. Before jumping into um, the passage that Kate read to us from Mark this morning, let's just recap on why we're actually looking at this in the first place. Throughout the whole of 2017, we're going to be focusing our teaching around discipleship. And a few weeks ago, I suggested that discipleship could be defined like this. Our response to God's call on the whole of our lives to be renewed into the likeness of Christ throughout our lives and doing this with others And the group of us who meet to plan the teaching series felt that it was important, if we're really going to press into what it is to be disciples, to break this down into three different chunks. And in this chunk, which we're over halfway through now, we're following Jesus to become more like him. So if you're following someone, you need to know what they're like to decide whether you want to follow them or not. So we've been following Jesus in Mark and finding out what is Jesus like. And since January, we've been following this series, and we've discovered and this is by way of quick recap Jesus is the king, the Messiah, who is good news. Jesus is the one who serves others and models what true servanthood is all about. Jesus is a gifted teacher who communicated in a way that people would get. Jesus healed people from sickness, evil spirits, and with Jairus' daughter, even death itself. Jesus was prepared to be seen amongst the last, the least, and the lost, the people who would be regarded as untouchables by the rest of society who would have been shunned. And I believe there's much reflection about the current refugee crisis in that. Jesus reveals himself as the Son of God who has the power to work miracles. And today we're beginning to talk about the way of life that results from the cross. So let's get to some scripture. Uh, We're essentially going to spend the whole of the talk on verse 34 of Mark chapter 8. So if you want to open your Bibles and focus in on verse 34, that's where we're going to be focused. He called the crowd. Jesus invites or calls people to listen. The action is God's, not ours. Not that God forced people to come and believe in him, that's different. But Jesus, um, not the crowd, is the one who instigates the conversation. It's not by chance that Vicky and Chris and others have stories of people taking Bibles and asking questions of faith or inviting prayer. Because one of, the, uh, one, char- one of the characteristics of Jesus is that he invites. So if you're bold enough to pray that big prayer each morning, Lord, if only today you would use my encounters, my activities for your purposes for your glory, then I will cooperate with that. It's a bold, dangerous prayer to pray because there are those encounters, there are those opportunities. Don't be surprised if you find yourself in a conversation and suddenly you feel the gentle prompting of the Holy Spirit saying, this is what you might say, this is what you might do. In fact, if we go back to Mark chapter 8 verse 34, we read, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. So the group who are listening to Jesus are both his followers, people who believed um, in him as the Messiah, as the Son of God, and probably a greater number who didn't. So if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus and you've been walking with him for years, welcome. And if you're here this morning and you might have come for the baptism or you might have just walked in for whatever reason, but you're not a follower of Jesus and you're uncertain about religion and faith, you're just as welcome here with with all the questions of faith and and God that you have because Jesus welcomed everyone around him both those who knew him and those who didn't. Jesus invited um, people. Now, on a Sunday morning here in the church centre, or on a Sunday afternoon at the Link in Upper Camborn, or on a Sunday evening at Encounter, you're likely to be surrounded by a good number of people who actually are probably Christians, who actually follow Jesus. And that's important that we're church together. But the radically different space is where we go to during the week, which we've been calling our front lines. Those spaces where we work, those spaces where um, we socialise with each other—coffee shops, um, you know—in Camborne prolifically, um, the children's groups. Our front lines, where, where we live and move and kind of have our being during the course of the week, we're likely to be surrounded by people who aren't Christians. All these places where we hang out. Um, oh, by the way, I just, I just want to say, um, if you're into finding Pokemon hangouts, and you get excited because there's a new Pokemon gym, I'm late to all these crazes. But yesterday, I became particularly concerned for some residents of Camborne. I was out going to the park with Izzy and Sarah, and I noticed a couple um, who were walking around. I hope you're not here this morning, sorry. Um, Who who were heads down into their mobile phone. I worked out that they were trying to find Pokemon stops. But a couple of times, I just wanted to shout out (laughs) lamppost. So if you're a Pokemon hunter, or whatever the correct term is, um, and you can tell I'm not. Please just be wary of your head and concussion and things like that as you go about on your Pokemon front lines. That's a kind of tangent anyway. There we are. But seriously, on, on your front lines, there are people who are likely not to be followers of Jesus, but God still wants to invite them to listen and to respond. And you have an opportunity to be a part of that. And to this crowd of both believers and unbelievers, Jesus says again in verse 34, whoever wants to be my follower, my disciple, must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Now understand that in the Western world we have a very different perception of take up their cross to say a Christian living in North Korea in the context of persecution for their faith and and in a context where they can be arrested and tortured for being a Christian. Or being a part of the crowd listening to Jesus for whom the cross, a cross, was an instrument of punishment and humiliation we often think about take up their cross in the Western world, metaphorically, we think about it as becoming a follower of Jesus, about taking on his word, his ways. But it has a far more real connotation if you live in the midst of persecution, where taking up your cross might actually lead um, to your death or to torture. Or in Jesus' time, when crosses were used as a means of punishment, they had a far more real, literal connotation. So if you were part of that crowd listening to Jesus, and you were looking for a word which captured what the cross was about, you might well hear the word shame coming back at you. So Jesus was inviting the crowd to embrace shame in order to follow him. Now, of all the emotions that I know, shame has to be one of the most acute, profound, overwhelming emotional states. And I'm happy to discuss and explore the meaning of the word shame with you after the service. Um, but for now, let me say that shame is the fear that something we've done or something that we are will lead us to disconnect from others. So let me say that again. Shame is the fear that something we've done or something we are will lead us to disconnect from others. So the shame of having to carry a cross was about being seen as someone who had done something so terrible that they were now cast away from everyone. Which on the surface makes Jesus' invitation seem absolutely absurd. Take up the cross, take up shame, and follow me. Well, if you were in the crowd, how would you receive that invitation? Let me give you some more attractive invitations if you're part of that crowd. Follow me and I'll set you up for success in life. Follow me, and you'll achieve promotion in your workplace. Follow me, and I'll establish your finances for prosperity. And if we want to be slightly ridiculous, follow me, and we'll take you to the Caribbean. You know, attractive, attractive pitches, which I think even the worst salesman could probably sell to this crowd. But what Jesus says to them is, take up this instrument of shame. And the punch or the power behind shame is that you and I were built for relationships. We were wired in such a way, we are wired in such a way, that we are interdependent on each other. And whether you're the most extravagant extrovert or the most insular introvert is irrelevant. In this particular case, you're still wired to be interdependent on others. And shame is that fear that people won't want to be in relationship with us if they find out this or discover that. And the reason I'm zeroing in on this is because I think people fear how Jesus would see them. If only He knew this about my life. I think that there is, um, I think there are many people, uh, and you hear it manifested um, in kind of passive phases like Christianity's not for me, faith's not for me, you know, or, I'm not good enough for all that you know, passive phases, but beneath the surface of that is our feelings of unworthiness, even of shame, that actually, if I actually came to Jesus, if I actually came to God and bared all that I am, he wouldn't want me, and I'd be rejected, and I'd feel ashamed and not only come into Jesus in the first place, but also for those of us who have walked the way of faith for a number of years, we can, arrive, we can arrive at the point where we find this blockage in our spiritual lives which we just can't seem to move past because there's something within our lives that we don't want to bear before God in case he rejects us. So shame is a deeply powerful thing that holds us back. But there's something in verse 34 that's wonderful. The crowd are seeing Jesus' invitation to take up their cross as an invitation to endure shame. But Jesus is saying, take up the cross through which I put an end to the possibility of Of whatever it is in your life that you feel ashamed of, separating you from me. And so you've got this complete, you've got this wonderful coming together. The crowd are thinking that there's an invitation to endure shame. Jesus is saying, because of the cross, you don't have to. Because of the cross, whatever is in your life that you don't want to bear before me is dealt with. So now it's not that we do no wrong. It's not that we don't mess up. You do, I do, we do, and we know it. But the cost of that messing up and the guilt and the shame that so often arise from it has been dealt with. So we can have the courage to come before God's and admit our imperfections because there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's another point here which is about perfect relationship. In most of our lives, there are relationships where we let our fear of how people perceive us influence the way we think, act, um, a- and speak. And in those relationships, we struggle to be authentically ourselves. Because if actually, truly, we reveal who we really are, our behaviours in their fullest sense, our opinions in their fullest sense, that that person won't want to be in relationship with us. And yet, in relationship with Jesus, we can have all the opinions we want. We can bear our behaviours to Jesus as they are. And there might be repentance required. And there might be, you know, areas that we need to redirect in our lives. But there's no chance of separation. And if we know as a concrete promise of Scripture... That what we're likely to, that what we will get back from, from Jesus when we approach him is mercy, love, forgiveness and peace. How powerful an influencer of our actions is that we get to be fully ourselves in this perfect relationship with Jesus Christ. And so understanding this passage through the lens of shame, vulnerability, relationship, and authentic living are about helping us to really get the invitation of Jesus, to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. Now note, there's, there's a key difference here. Um, between Jesus inviting us to denial of self, not self-denial, and, and there's a critical difference. Self-denial is about me accepting that I need to go to Costa less um, and saying that in Lent I'm going to give up you know, going to Costa X number of times a week. Self-denial is, you know, well, you, you can think of examples for yourselves that are real to you, You know, it's about us intentionally deciding that we're going to give up certain certain things. We're going to deny them of ourselves. And that's not what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Denial of self is about refusing to allow our self-interest to achieve a position of dominance such that our lives are governed by our own interests just say that again. Denial of self is about refusing to allow our self-interest to achieve such a position of dominance that our lives are governed by ourselves. Jesus invites us to a way of life where he is first and foremost in our hearts and minds. It's impossible to, to, uh, to really follow Jesus unless you're willing to put him first. It's just not possible. And so, you know, in in this passage, I don't have a Bible open. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you, Lucinda, for your generous offer. Um, In chapter eight, you know, Jesus is clear on this point, you know, that those who want to acquire the world will forfeit their soul. For whoever wants to save their life, verse 35, will lose it. But whoever loses their life, loses their overbearing sense of self, for me and for the gospel will save it. And in the second reading uh, from Mark 10, which Kate read to us, we encounter... A wealthy man who was obviously a faithful Jew. He kept the Ten Commandments, the teachings of the law. But what Jesus invited the wealthy man to was a change of heart. He said, give up your possessions, give them to the poor and come and follow me. And the man went away sad because he had great wealth. And so this morning, we're going to celebrate the joy of baptism, the joy of a God who on the cross did away with shame and allows us to live an authentic, full relationship with him. We celebrate the joy of a God who invites us to put him first and enter into a fullness of life that can only be found in him. So we're going to pray and then I'm going to stop talking, and um, we're going to probably sing a bit, and then we're going to celebrate the gift of baptism together. But let's pray together first. We've dealt with some pretty heavy stuff um, in this morning's talk. Uh, So if you want to pray after the service, you're welcome to grab me or someone who might pray with you around you. If issues of shame have overwhelmed you, know that that's not of God and that you don't need to be left in that position. Because the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self control. Those are the things that God has in store for us. So, Father God, we submit to you and we pray that you might increase that we might decrease, that you might increasingly take first and prized place in our lives, that we might discover the joy of a God who invites us into full and authentic relationship with him, that we might know the freedom of coming before a Father for who, who will never run away from us, who will never leave us nor desert us, Whatever we do. And Father, I pray for those who might experience shame this morning. And Father, that you, by the grace of your Spirit, might reveal to them the depths of your love and grace and mercy. we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.